Welcome to the last ever episode of the Investors Corner in November 2023. Yeah. Had you for a minute. Clickbait. Yeah. Clickbait. Had you for a minute. Like you, had, you had me worried. I My eyes we were like, fired. So the next few guests, this is where we need our community of listeners and watchers to get involved. We need your help because the next few guests that we've got coming on, we have got a buy to let special end of year wrap up. What's going to happen in 2024. We've got HMO specialist Peter Licarinas coming on. So end of year wrap up on HMOs, what's coming in 2024 and therefore after. We've got a few other little special guests coming on as well. We've got someone about auctions so we can get a little inside scoop into what's happened with auctions this year. The last time we spoke, it had doubled in terms of 1% to 2%, I think, in the last couple of years. Has it got to 3%? Mm. We'll find out. Uh, and we've also got some other random uh, commercials booked commercial. in. Commercials, commercials booked, booked in. in. Yeah. Who's that with? Chris Thomas, one of Berkshire's leading commercial agents, going to come in and talk to us about commercial investing. Make sure I'm on that one. I want to quiz him. You know, some some things. Brilliant. I'm yeah. away. And then I'm working on. <laughs> I'll on give what... you the question. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm working on a watch investor. So yeah, bit of a bit of a change from property, but it's interesting to see what he's got to say on on watches. There's a lot of talk about watches at the moment, Rolexes, Amigas. I'm a Garmin guy. Yeah, there's not know, a lot of no, talk no about resale those. value no. in, in Garmin. No. Great to put through the business. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, didn't say that. What uh, what I did wonder though, I wonder if you do JV watch investing. Is that a thing? Because some watches. As long, are as, very well, new. I, I guess as long as you trust the person who's holding the watch. That's true, yeah. Six months of yeah. the year each sort of thing. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's on my wrist. So we've got a lot of guests coming on. So if you've got questions and you want to get involved, if you, if for you individually going into 2024, if you're an active investor or you want to be, and you want to be in the podcast asking those experts the questions, give us the questions and we will be your voice. We will get those questions put to them. So don't miss this opportunity. Um, to be involved. That's what we're all about here. You know, we've been going for two years now and we love the community questions, the conversations, the DMs that we get. So fire them over. Don't be shy. Even if it's you're a first timer, fire it over. Everyone's got to do it at some point. Andy, you've got a body of handwritten questions on your iPad. Let's yeah. talk about them. What are you saying? So in last week's episode, I talked about the buzz going around social media and, and different investment opportunities for property investors. And last week I spoke about social housing and that potentially being an avenue for, for investors where, you know, you haven't got the headaches of maintaining your properties. Um, you know, a social housing provider would do that for you, get better returns on social housing as, as well. Um, but another buzz that's going around social media at the moment is fraction investing. Break um, down social housing for people just in so summary. Social housing is where you have a large property. It could be a HMO property. You basically go to social housing providers who house their vulnerable tenants and um, they cover the rent, so they are responsible for, for, for paying the rent. Um, they offer long-term agreements, so five to seven years okay. tends to be the average. Um, and you obviously get higher rental returns as well for housing those vulnerable tenants being under the care and control of those social housing providers. Can you, up, can you uplift the rent still annually, or is there some sort of term, or is it locked in? It's a higher rent, but it's locked in for five years. I think, it's, I think you can include uh, as part of the agreement with the social housing provider that you might have a, an, yeah, an inflation rate increase throughout that. Okay. Um, they're going to have to do that or else 
why would you want to do it if you can't yeah, increase your rent? It's great so, if you get a higher rent, but the way rents are going at the moment, yeah. you know, seven years is a is a long time with a, a lot long, of rent increases. It's it? a long so, time. But I suppose for 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 an investor, if that was their long term goal to rent it out, then it's sort of guaranteed that you would get that rental income because the social housing provider would keep that for that period of time and put different vulnerable tenants in in there. So it's sort of guaranteed, guaranteed income, really. And like I said, they cover the maintenance. Now, what standard that maintenance would be, I'm not too sure. Um, so that's one of the risks for it. So fraction, fractional investing, Andy, what yeah. is fractional investing? How does it work? So and why? It's... It's not something that I've looked into before. I don't know about you guys, I don't know about our listeners, but when I looked at fractional investing, it seems to be where you split the costs of an asset. Okay, so I could have a property. Um, instead of buying that property as a buy to let, I could have I could buy a share in that property, and there could be four, five, six, seven, eight other investors along with me buying a percentage of that of that property um you own the right to the deeds of that property as as well so it's not like a timeshare timeshare option um and it seems to stem from what the wealthy people have done previously i.e with yachts holiday homes um art um you know, private jets, things like that, where they buy a share mm. in this asset and they something more it. Ian's Ian's sort of yeah, thing, isn't Ian's it? used to the private jets and, yachts, and all yeah. that. He just yeah. he just buys them outright though. Yeah. Actually, you don't need <laughs> you don't need anyone to share that with you. Do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it seems to stem from from that really. So it gives an opportunity to people that want to invest in property that don't necessarily have the large outlay to invest in property. And you can invest, you can do this fractional investing from as little as £100 to do. Um, so some of the benefits, obviously, of, of doing it is you, you've got the smaller amounts there that you, that you can invest in. Um, like I said, start as little as £100. Um, and it helps you finance a, a second property instead of having that large, that large outlay. Um, the only things that I can I can see from it is that because there's multiple investors that have a share within that property, obviously you're not going to have the say on everything that happens with that property. So normally anything like repairs or, or you want to make any changes to the property, you need to go to all of those other investors and basically get their confirmation that you all want to do it and that you're all happy to proceed and all deal with deal with the costs. And um, the property is normally managed by a management company. So again, doing this, you, you, you don't have the headaches of, of managing anything. Um, I've got a red flag. Oh. As, as you're talking, I'm getting more and more turned off. This is an idea. It feels like a lettings and management company flogging off houses that normal people won't buy to people who can't afford them and have no exit strategy. Does it not? I understand really yeah. real estate investment trusts where you're buying a share, a legitimate share, just like you would on the stock market of a 
company that owns 10,000 properties. But if I'm going in with a hundred other investors and crowdfunding a house, if I want my money back, someone's got to value that and someone's yeah. got to want to buy it. And it's an unproven market. Well, and, and as you said, it's managed by a, a management company that you can't control. I feel like either with property, you're either in total control or you need to go yeah. into something massive that has a really, really wide portfolio, balanced portfolio yeah. of different things. Am I am I right or am I or am I on the negative Eeyore side of, yeah, of the table? That's, that's the disadvantage of it. Some some companies do it differently. So when I've had a look at the companies that are offering to do something like this, you know, some people specialise in the upmarket flat so you could have a flat that's in london that's worth six hundred and fifty thousand seven hundred thousand pounds and they deal with the high-end market or you've got other companies like you said where the property's not very attractive and not valued at, at a high at a high amount um so it's it's two different two different ends but like you said that the disadvantage is is that you're you're not in full control of 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 this it's and just any, get... any anything i invest in i want to know what the exit strategy exactly. is and when exactly but you're relying on seven other people to have the same mindset mm. as you you don't or a, even or a pre-agreed contract yeah. in, in what's going to happen i see it a bit like you know if you're if you've got a business and there's 10 shareholders there might be a majority shareholder but there might also be someone that's worked in the business for five six yep. years that yeah. you've offered a small share to Everyone's got different voting rights. Everyone's got different exit plans. If someone wants to leave, it might be built into the terms that you have to offer it inside before you offer it ex outside. Mm. Um, I can see that it it being a way for people to put ten grand into property, which you can't do unless you do something like yeah. this. Yeah, you know, I don't know whether each person within it has a different skill set. Is there a refurb artist? Is there the money person? Is there a sourcer? I don't know yeah. if that's the case. Hundred pounds seems a bit pointless. Seems like a bit of a weird setup. Yeah. And then I'm trying to think who benefits from it. I'm thinking there's got to be where you said the company that's offering it. The company has to have some sort of influence in the service providers at the top end. Well, yeah, they probably some have sort of to manage spinning and sourcing yeah. and managing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's probably where they get it from. They make all of that, and then they're using crowdfunding if you if you like to yeah. to go and purchase. But I guess if we looked at you know we looked at this this building here three different businesses four different businesses working out of it with i think there is probably about nine shareholders across those businesses mm. you know maybe the nine shareholders come together and say right you know should we start buying property collectively how much money could those nine shareholders raise together yeah so they can put a war chest of two and a half three million pounds together at different percentages and different levels is a fraction of of what the overall kind of purchase and, and acquisition opportunity is. So I can see it working in some cases, but I think it's definitely something that we need to get an expert on, don't we? Really? Yeah, I, th and I think so. We need, to, we need to know more about it. Because like you just said, you know, if you had the shareholders within this building, nine different shareholders, you'd probably meet those shareholders, find out what the goal is, find out what the aim is and work together on it and use mm. each other's skills. With a system like this, you're not meeting those people you don't know who those other people are yeah so you're buying a buying something in a property mm. you know say 25 percent, and you've got three other investors 25 percent each you want to make decisions on that property you don't know who they are mm -hmm. they could be 
right ourselves yeah yeah, <laughs> and, not, yeah, yeah. and not it feels it feels too anything. small in comparison to one of the investment trusts where yeah. you're buying a spreadsheet investment where they're saying well over our 10,000 properties they're 97% occupied with x amount and x y yeah. and z where you can where you can sort of project their their growth and reinvestments but yeah. but yeah as Ian said in a in a different situation where you can build your own group that's that's a whole different mm. whole different investment isn't it yeah the third property i bought i bought with my two best friends and it was a fixer upper and we had a clear plan we were going to buy it they were going on the mortgage i'd already owned a property they didn't own properties one was a gas fitting engineer so kind of in the trades the other guy had a bit of time on his hands and then i found the property and obviously put the the deal together as it were and the plan was we refurb it we rent it out for the last 18 months of the mortgage term and then we sell it halfway through doing the refurb one of them found out that he no longer could live at home so he ended up moving in as the tenant and then the other one moved in as a tenant and then we had a third tenant staying in there and the 18 months had kind of come round and obviously my ambition was to to pull it out we'd put in about 13 grand each something like that it wasn't a lot it's when you could get like a 10% deposit and it was dirt cheap um putting about 13 14 grand plus refit and we were due to pull about 35 grand out each it was you know fairly mm. good win for two years worth of work 20 20 grand plus uh but because they were living there they were comfortable they were in the time of their lives in their own house they decided they didn't want to sell it so although we kind of verbally agreed it i was in a bit of an awkward place because mm. i kind of wanted to go with it so what I don't know with fraction investing, investing, do you have that same problem or are there rules to the game that stop that actually being a problem? Actually, it could mm. be a good thing because you're all playing by the black and white rules. Whereas in that case, we're playing by verbal friends agreeing yeah. over a beer, what we were going to do. effectively. <laughs> yeah. um, did sell in the end because one of them wanted to buy someone with their new partner. But it, obviously it was a, a year or so later than what I had anticipated. But the house had obviously gone up in money, so it wasn't the end of the world. But as yeah. an example, I wonder whether fraction investing, you see more of that or whether you see less of that. What else have you got on your notes, Andy? So, other thing, news article that came out recently half of tenants want bills included in the rent yeah so with this i mean my my opinion on it is that if it was if i was a landlord i would never include bills in rent for the simple fact that i don't want someone leaving the heating on 24 7 at 23 degrees costing absolute fortune yeah for that property um having a bath every single every single night with with water so it's just not something that that I would do but this this survey that came out it was two and a half thousand renters um yeah 55 percent um said that they um want bills included because they find that managing multiple bills stressful welcome to the real world Crimea River. <laughs> yeah um I can't believe it wasn't a hundred percent of tenants yeah. want bills included because of course you want your bill I want my bills included in my mortgage yeah but, well, but my bank's not going to do no. that for me so what, what you've got there is a tenancy split of 55 percent of people that are very unlikely to buy a property and 45 percent of people 
that are shrewdly spending money on bills with a plan to save enough for a deposit to buy a property. You've got a clear split of two different types of personalities of people that will stay as tenants forever because they want to maximize and take advantage of paying a high proportion so they don't ever overpay because they struggle with running bills and mm -hmm. they're happy yeah. to pay extra for 45% of people saying, no, I'd like to be in control because I know I'm efficient with my money yeah. and yeah. my utilities and they are most likely to become the next set of first time buyers. It's, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's probably split. a really good read on it. Yeah, yeah mm. that's pretty much how I see it. Does it include Deliveroo? No, <laughs> no Deliveroo, just heating, electricity, water. TV? And council tax, actually, that was included. TV bills? Uh, I mean, we're getting towards serviced accommodation. Yeah. 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 Maybe you should go into serviced accommodation. We are. Yeah. I mean, is there any advantage at all with, with bills included in the rent? I think when we look at the, the building block we went to in Reading, the other month, mm -hmm. if you've got a premium block and you are, you're treating it not like a hotel, but you look at a hotel, yeah. obviously bills are yeah. included, yeah. obviously, because you're there for a couple of nights. But if you're looking at it in the same fashion, I own this block. I've got 125 apartments in this block. Um, I'm going to synchronize the bills, X, Y, and Z, make it super easy for the tenants to kind of feel premium luxury but they're going to, for the convenience, they're going to pay yeah. for the convenience. And yeah. what, we've see, what we saw in that block is 50% uplift on standard rents in the area. Yeah. So, you know, where normally you'd get 1,500 quid for a two-bed apartment, they're getting two and a half grand yeah. for a two-bed apartment. So, you know, over 50%. Over so that benefits everyone. It benefits the person that's in it because it's hands-off, plug and play. And it benefits the landlord because they're probably in the margin of 125, if, if some people are having a bath every night, it's not all 125 of them. Mm. Some people are leaving the heat, it's not all of them yeah. because people are human. Yeah. Not, not all. yeah, and if you're the developer building one of those buildings, you can build it with that in mind yeah. that everything is is zone controlled and this, that and the other and blah, blah, blah yeah. to, to, to actually to manage rather than just, yeah, letting someone loose with their own thermostat. Accidental landlord with a free bed end of terrace bills included no not, never not the way to do it no yeah no agreed agreed on to the next one you ready for my last third one mm. yeah yeah hit me yeah I like so it. i like it h hmrc reveals record sums earned by landlord investors so obviously got a bit of a gloomy mood around sort of taxing in buy to lets whether it's financially um, works out anymore. It's not gloomy for the HMRC, uh, well, Andy. No, not, not for those. <laughs> but yeah, they've they've sort of revealed that, um, yeah, according to HMRC, the total property income declared by unincorporated landlords in 21 to 22 was £48.8 billion, which is up from £46 billion the previous year. 20, the financial year of 21 to 22. Yeah. It's the most recent tax return. Most recent. So, and that's unincorporated as well because incorporated landlords are becoming more of a trend. Yeah. What that does is show that landlords really aren't selling off like no. a lot of the media will tell you. There isn't a great sell-off from landlords no. and rents are increasing. So reality says the income for landlords should be a record every single year because the rent goes up mm. every single year. 
And their, in, their in, rents have gone up over inflation. If we look yeah, at a 12 yeah, month roll, yeah. that's a fact, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, rents yeah. have gone up over inflation. And th this was all based on two. 2.8 million landlords filing self-assessment. Mm. I think more returns. people are more people are filing self-assessments than they used to as well. Are going back a few years now. I know a lot of landlords who just flew by the wind mm. and didn't bother. Yeah. I know, <laughs> and we'll very, know those, very, <laughs> very few now because yeah. people know and appreciate that quite a few systems are interconnected and ways are being checked on. Um, and a few landlords who have used the um, the uh, the system to to, to backdate tax returns mm. um, with with HMRC to to become legit. Yeah, and I think looking what HMRC said as well. This news article said, sorry, not directly from from HMRC, um, but the total income from UK property increased by ten percent in five years to twenty twenty two, and a hundred thousand more landlords over that period coming through as as well um and the income from property for each each of those rise into about sixteen thousand seven hundred pounds on average so it just shows that yeah there's more potentially more landlords coming through like you said more they may have clocked on and started doing their tax returns before they weren't um but you know those those figures of landlords doing the tax returns and more coming in I mean, yeah, where's where's all the landlords disappearing to like what we're hearing in, in the media? I'm not saying that they're not disappearing because they are. We know that they are. But maybe it's not as bad as what they portray it to be. I had dinner last week mm. with an ex-Google employee. Oh, here we go. Here comes the name drop. <laughs> no, no name drop. No name drop. And he... Yeah, unnamed. Yeah. <laughs> he works in the blockchain world. Right. And is a coder and, you know, kind of that, that area of space. And on the other table was someone that deals with fine art printing. So 3D art printing. And, you know, if you see a, a boxing fight and you see the massive banner on a building... He mm. prints those and, and other bits and bobs. They both started having a conversation about Bitcoin and crypto. Mm. I'm going to mic drop, leave this podcast on this. And the finance investor has got a huge crypto wallet, a huge crypto wallet. And he has seen his Bitcoin increase over the last 12 months by over 100%. I think it was 106 or 108%. Uh, the other chap, is obviously involved in that area of space with being in blockchain as well. And they were talking about the fact that uh, Bitcoin going into January will probably be, is probably going to drop for the remainder mm. of the year. And then they expect it to go from January through to the summer months on quite a fast, I can't remember what they called it. It's like a, a bull, a bull run, bull run. a bull run. run. Yeah, That's yeah. what they're calling it. The bull run will happen at the start of next year. And it all comes down to a habit and a pattern. And the moral of the story is I'm not going to be putting any money in Bitcoin because I don't trust what they said. But it was quite interesting <laughs> to hear it. it was Andy, quite interesting. Andy's running home. It was quite interesting <laughs> yeah. to hear it. And I think we probably need to get someone on 
the uh, podcast that knows more about crypto just to get their side of the yeah. story. Yeah. I wasn't sold over the dinner table, if I'm honest with you. But if there was two people that I should be sold by, it's someone yeah. who's got a huge crypto wallet that deals in that market. Yeah. And, and a fella from Google. way more intelligent know. than I am. Um, young guy, very, very intelligent guy. And yeah, in the blockchain world can do things that other people can't do. So it was very interesting because it, it spiked me a little bit to think, we need to bring more of that conversation to this podcast. So if anyone's listening and you know someone or you are someone, there's a lot of people in, out there that do a lot of tuition on it and they're, they're very kind of passionate about articulating that. If that's you, give us a call. We'll get you on. Till next week, thank you for joining us on the Investors Corner.